Hey, everybody. This is Ernie Johnson, owner of Anashira. So I'm sitting here planning this week's podcast. Uh, I left you last week in the middle of stories about our chickens. And I had every intention of finishing those stories, but I can't do it. I need a change. I need a change from those animals. Oh, we're eating tomatoes now. Oh, my. You know how we love tomatoes. There's nothing like a tomato just picked off of the vine. You take it into the kitchen, and the whole room smells like summer. So we've been eating salads with fresh tomatoes. We've been eating omelets with them. The other night, I made BLTs. And it wasn't just the bacon, lettuce, and tomato. I took a big ripe bell pepper from one of my plants, put thick slices of that on the sandwich. Now, I've spoken to you the last couple weeks about the Asheville Open Tennis Tournament. I told you that uh, if you were near Asheville, you should come down and watch some of it. I said you might see some future champion of the U.S. Open. Well, there was a kid this week. I was down there volunteering with Dawn again, and he and his dad were here from Brazil. Uh, They were in the States as tourists and came to Asheville so the boy could play in this tournament. So Victor, the kid, was 14 years old, and man, could he hit the ball. He could really play, a real talent. That guy has a huge future in front of him, so I wasn't just blowing smoke about seeing talented kids. Thanks to Anashira, sponsor of these podcasts. You can go to our website and purchase one of our marvelous soaps. Enter the code STORIES15, that's 15, for a 15% discount off of the list price. Now let's get right to this week's story. I was in my senior year of college and I'd got engaged to a young woman from Colombia. We'd met in Germany and her name was Maria de la Paz. Literally, Mary of the Peace. And Maria lived in Bogota and I lived in California. And this whole marriage was going to be a challenge. My parents, well, they were against it. You've got no money. Well, I didn't have much. Her family has lots of money. Well, they did. Her father was a banker, a diplomat, head of the import-export section of Colombia, was a cattleman. They're South American, and you're American. Yeah, that's true. You're Methodist. They're Catholic. Well, I wasn't an active Methodist, and they weren't that active Catholics. So I know not a lot of support from them, not much emotional support and not economic support. But you know, I love this woman and I was young. I wasn't worried. I could do it. So I decided to fly to Bogota at Christmas time to ask her father for her hand. We'd already spoken to her mother and she was an ally. So I scrounged some money together, bought a ticket from Miami to Bogota on this airline called Aero Condor, 
which probably would get me there. And my dad even broke down and bought me a suit. Uh, You got to look good for these people. So I flew down. Now, Maria had two younger brothers. These guys were smart, witty, good-looking kids. They both spoke fluent English. They'd studied in the States. They were about 16, 18 years old at the time. And I spoke very, very little Spanish. So they picked me up pretty late at night at El Dorado Airport in Bogota, just the boys and their chauffeur. And on the way home, they're telling me how to get along with their father. Okay, always stand up straight and look him in the eyes. Okay, I can do that. I can look him in the eyes. Never lean against a door or a wall. Okay, I won't slouch and I won't lean. And if you don't know what someone is saying or you don't know what to say, just say, mucho gusto, which means my pleasure and a bunch of other things. Okay, I'll say mucho gusto. And if you're in doubt, ask us. Okay, I'll ask you guys. Oh, and call him Don Arturo. Don is a sign of respect. You don't need to call him mister. Okay, I can do that. Oh, and we're having some people for dinner tonight. It's not going to be a casual evening. So oh, remember something. International calls to Colombia were about $12 for three minutes. And $12 back in those days was a lot of money. So that was emergency only. There was, of course, no internet, no text. And it took about five to seven days for an airmail letter to get anywhere. So Maria and I had not had a lot of communication since Germany, really. So, we get to their place, and I walk in to the dining room, and they have a very large table in this dining room, and it's late, and they waited up for me for dinner. Maybe 20 people in there, all dressed up. Dinner served by maids and a butler, and I sit between little Arturo and Andres, the brothers. Maria's across the table from me and uh, the mother at one end, the father at the other. There's all kinds of family and other people all around the table. Oh, I should tell you, I did have long hair at the time, pretty long hair down past my shoulders, Uh, sort of blonde, wavy, but I kept it clean, always clean. And I had a mustache, yeah, and some kind of Van Dyke beard. Uh, Oh, and long sideburns. And you know those round glasses like John Lennon had? I wore those. Well, I'd been all over the world in the 60s, and this was early 70s. I was a rebel at heart. Now, Maria's father was very conservative, and he didn't like rebels. He wasn't fond of Americans, and he was not at all fond of hippies. So this was going to be maybe a little tough. And he spoke almost no English. He uh, didn't learn it on purpose. He wanted to make Americans speak Spanish to him. So they start serving dinner. We're eating, making small talk. How was your trip, Ernesto? Oh, very fine. Thank you. That kind of stuff. And the dishes kept coming. And the food was delicious. Course after course. 
And Arturito, the older brother, turns to me. You're going to love the main course. It's prepared just for you. Okay, I can't wait. Pause. Big expectations in the room. Silence. The butler carries out a huge platter, and on it was uh, some sort of baked creature. Weighing maybe 40 pounds. Head was attached. Legs were attached. I had no idea what it was. Arturo turns to me and whispers, It's a giant rat from the Amazons. Mm, okay. Well, I look more closely. Yeah, two big teeth, razor sharp. It looked like a rat. So the platters carried around the table to me, the guest of honor, and they served me a more than generous portion. Everybody is served. We all wait. All eyes turn to me. Now, I was a good eater. My dad loved to eat most everything, and he trained me well. So I took a bite. Now, if it had tasted like a piece of 10-day-old dead buzzard, I'd have eaten. I'd have eaten it and smiled. Those boys were not going to get to me. But you know what? It was delicious. After my third bite, ah, big smile. There was a sense of relief from everyone in the room. I even asked for another serving. Okay, this was no ugly American they had here. Now, I must digress a bit and tell you another story. Maria's paternal grandfather, his name was Don Enrique, everyone called him Kiko, which is the nickname for Enrique. He was a very intelligent man, educated as a dentist. He lived in a small city called Tunja, about maybe an hour, hour and a half outside of Bogota. Now, he got out of dental school and started a practice in town. And the family all laughed every time they told this story of his first patient, a nun. She gets there, gets in the chair. He looks at her. He's going to make a plaster impression for a crown. So he puts this thing of plaster in her mouth, tells her not to move. And he uh, slips out. He has a few minutes free. And he goes to meet a few of his buddies for a round of billiards. And uh, they play. Oh, about an hour later, he's like, man, I got to get back there. So he goes back and this nun's mouth is like cemented shut. So, yeah, he didn't work as a dentist very long. He never liked it. His main love, even more than billiards, was paleontology. He loved fossils. He loved to study them. He loved to collect them. Now, he and Maria's grandmother, Doña Inez, had a farm in a small town higher up in the Andes called Villa de Leyva. Now, this place was a town built by Spaniards in the 1500s, and in the 400 years since, had very little development. It looked the same. It was gorgeous. It had a main square called La Plaza Mayor that was the largest square in Colombia. And it was entirely cobbled. In the square, it was the largest square in South America that was entirely cobbled. 
the area around Villa de Leyva is famous for fossils, especially a fossil called Ammonitas, Ammonite. Fossils seem to be everywhere around this place. Uh, fossils of Ammonites and other dinosaurs. So Kiko collected them, we went up and collected them, and he had a pal, and this guy was a zoologist, and he spent a lot of time in the Amazon basin, which formed the eastern border of Colombia. This guy comes by one day, sometime before I get there, with an animal. He says, I got it for the zoo in Bogota, the Zoológica Santa Fe. Enrique, can you keep this animal for a few days? It eats only fresh lettuce and greens. Okay. So Kiko feeds this animal, which, by the way, was called a burugo. It's uh, very rare. It lived only in the Amazon rainforest. So Kiko has this animal in a pen on his ranch, and he waters it, he feeds it, lettuce, celery, other salad stuff. It was eating me out of house and home, he tells people. So days go by, turns into weeks, into months. Turns out this animal is rare, but it is also delicious. It's an herbivore, and Kiko knows that. He says to his wife, Inez, I can't take it anymore. I'm going to kill that burugo. We'll butcher it and we'll take it down to Bogota and they can cook it for dinner for that gringo who's coming to see Maria de la Paz. Kiko, you can't. What will you tell that man when he comes back? I'll tell him it died, which will be the truth. So that's where this strange main course came from. And Maria's family was, I think, surprised and pleased when I chowed it down with the best of them. So after dinner, we're standing around. I feel pretty good, and I want to make some small talk. I turn to little Arturo. Uh, question. You guys, this is for you listeners. You ever watched the movie Big Fat Greek Wedding? Remember how they tortured that man who didn't speak Greek? Well, could have been based on me that first trip to Colombia. So there was a young woman there. I said to Arturo, how do you say in Spanish, you have a beautiful dress on? And he says, tiene un culo muy bonito. Say it. So I did. Okay, so I turned to her, tiene un culo muy bonito. She looks at me as if I'm crazy. She backs up right to the wall, keeps her back to that wall the whole night. The group hushes and stares at me. The only thing that saved me was these two brothers. They started snickering and giggling and uh, finally fessed up. What I'd said to her is, you have a beautiful ass. I know I couldn't trust those two from then on. Well, I still had to sit down with Don Arturo in the next 10 days and ask formally for Maria's hand. And I was quite frankly concerned about it. But what saved me were two things. Number one, I had a few days' time. And number two, Don Arturo loved to eat. And I tell you, Colombians have the greatest food you're ever going to find. Every region has its own specialties. Every city has its specialties. Every family has the food that they cook better than anyone else. 
because I had some time, Arturo decided to take me on some trips to see different parts of Colombia. One day, the whole family sets out on a trip down the mountains. Now, Bogota lies at 8,600 feet. Its climate is temperate, well, cool. You can wear a sweater or you need to wear a sweater or a jacket almost every day. And as you descend, the temperature changes. The food they eat changes. The flora changes. The people speak differently. So we headed down to a finca or a ranch that they owned in La Tierra Caliente, what they call the hot country. It was located on the Magdalena River. So on this trip down about every 45 minutes, half an hour, Arturo pulls a car over. He'd say, oh, we need to stop here. They make the best empanadas in todo Colombia, in all of Colombia. Now an empanada is a baked pastry filled with meat or cheese, all kinds of different things. And it is truly delicious. And uh, we'd stop at some stand and eat those wonderful things. And we drive a little further. Oh, we need to stop here and eat some chicharrones, which uh, these are fried pork skin. And son los mejores, Don Arturo would say to me. And little Arturo turns and he says, they pee on them in the boiling fat. It makes them puff up. Hey, he wasn't going to get to me. Now, they were great. Arturo really enjoyed seeing me eat everything that we passed by. So we get closer, we stop at a small restaurant in a town called La Dorada. And uh, this place makes the most wonderful fish. Comes out of the Magdalena River, caught near here. It's called the Dorado. All of a sudden, large trays of fish, mounds of potatoes, and appear with limes and giant avocados and beers. And we eat and we eat. Arturo, Don Arturo, the father, looks at me and he says, Gringo tiene una buena muela. Literally, that means, hey, that gringo, he has good molar, which means guy has a great appetite. Now, not only was a fish outstanding, nothing like I'd ever eaten, but I was making progress. The term gringo, well, they say it originated in Mexico in the 1850s or 60s, Say the Mexicans would yell it at the American soldiers. Green, go home. Green, go home. Thus, gringo. Now, that may be just a folktale, but hey, it makes sense to me. Now, it's mostly a disparaging term, but Don Arturo wasn't using it that negative way with me. So, after eating that mountain of dorado and potatoes and a few beers, we drove off to their finca which wasn't far from there. Now, he raised cattle, special cattle grown a lot in Latin America called Cebu in Spanish. And uh, we call them Brahma cattle here, which is a type of Cebu. They do well in hot climates. They resist disease, insects. They're from India, and you'll recognize them. They generally have a big hump on their back. Now, the housing was simple bedrooms for the adults, and the kids stayed in dormitory-like rooms, one for the boys and one for the girls, and of course, the dining room. It was large, had a large table. There were always guests around, and Don Arturo had a number of people working for him. Of course, 
his vaqueros, cowboys, the guys who manage his cattle. But the most important person there was a diminutive woman, skinny, brown-skinned, indeterminate age, bright eyes, named Hermelinda. Why so important? She was a cook, not only a cook, but a master of dishes, so delicious, I can't describe them. Hermelinda could turn chickens, fishes, any part of a cebu, corn, rice, into masterpieces. And she had such a positive spirit. I learned immediately to treat her with high respect. If you wanted a cup of coffee, an arepa for breakfast, a bowl of soup during the day, you went to her. So I learned phrases that could help me communicate with Don Arturo. Delicioso, fabuloso, maravilloso, lo mejor, the best, and lo mejor del mundo, the best in the world. And of course, my old standby, mucho gusto. So we'd walk around, Don Arturo and I, and communicate in our Spanglés, mostly about edible things. Oh, mi gallina, que linda estarías en una olla, en un caldo con unas cebollas y papas al lado. Oh, my hen, how beautiful you would be in a pot with some broth and some onions and potatoes next to you. I learned that the term doctor showed much respect and I used it frequently with him. And he'd call me gringo, such as, Dime, gringo, si este caldo no está sabrosísimo. Hey, tell me, gringo, if this soup isn't the most delicious. Or, gringuito, ¿cómo te parece esta yuca frita? Hey, little gringo, what do you think of this fried yuca? Doctor, está fuera de este mundo. Doctor, it's out of this world. A new term I had learned. And slowly, the challenge of asking him for the hand of his eldest child, his eldest daughter, was not as frightening as it had been a few days ago. Well, you can see how Don Arturo loved his country, its countryside, and especially its food, and he loved sharing it. And I thought I'd died and gone to heaven. Wonderful people, beautiful country, and when we weren't eating, we were planning our next meal. And I didn't even have to go to any classes or go to work. Hey, folks, uh uh-oh. I didn't make nearly as much progress as I thought I would. Please don't be upset about the chickens last week. I haven't forgotten to finish those stories. I'll take care of that in some upcoming episode. Thanks to all of you who support Anashira. You buy our soaps, and I can continue with these stories. And I have much more to tell you about my adventures in Colombia in next week's Stories from Anashira.